This Student Ministry 127 podcast is a sermon preached by Brother Larry Chapel. Larry Chapel serves as a senior high youth pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church and as a graduate of West Coast Baptist College. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. While you're turning to Romans 13, let me, uh, let me read you one verse in 1 Peter 2, verse number 17. In fact, hold your place in Romans 13 and turn over there with me real quickly to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. It says this, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. How many of you found your spot already? Okay, let's read that verse together. 1 Peter 2, 17, ready to begin. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be told what to do. I don't think any of us like to be told what to do. And probably, uh, probably uh, when this occurs to me the most is when I happen to travel. I hate it when, they, uh, get on, when I get on the airplane and the pilot makes an announcement, we're getting ready to leave. You guys know, how many guys flew to youth conference, okay? And you have those Nazi flight attendant ladies, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about. Like power off. They want you to power off everything. If they could turn you off, they would turn you off, okay? And they go down the aisles like, is your phone off? Don't even look at me again, okay? My phone's off. Now it's not really off, but I don't want, you know, how many guys have done that before? Kind of hit it to the side, finish that last. Why is that that when you sit down and you think of all the people that you need to text and all the things that you need to check? But I hate that. I hate when the flight attendant comes and says, hey, it's time to power down, shut down all your devices. I just want to like throw my phone at their face. Don't tell me what to do, okay? You know how much this plane ticket costs, you know? Uh, Being on my phone is not going to affect anything. Everything's going to be fine. I've done it plenty of times where I've left my phone on in flight and I haven't crashed yet. I hate to be told what to do. I think that's a little bit of our nature. By nature, uh, we are born rebels. We are rebellious, okay? And to make matters worse, not only are we each born rebels, but we are living in a rebellious society, okay? And, and we can have a little humor this morning, talk about the times that we didn't want to do something, but the truth is, as, as a society, and especially your generation and mine, we are in very bad shape in terms of our respect for authority. And you've witnessed it yourself. You've seen teachers mocked and parents questions, uh, instruction ignores. It's ironic because there's not another age group uh, that demands more respect yet gives none than your generation and mine. We've got a problem with respect. Everything is a joke. Everything's a mockery. Uh, someone gets up and asks us to do something. We've got to know why. We want to question why. Uh, we want to be told all the reasons. And we question uh, authority, and we've been taught, culture teaches us to question authority. And we're in bad shape today in terms of our generation because we've grown up in a generation that where we, we've questioned authority and respect for authority is at an all-time low. We come to this passage in uh, Romans chapter 13, and when Paul is writing here, he's speaking uh, about uh, the institution of government, okay? So there's three institutions ordained by God, the family first, uh, the church, and the government, okay? And these are, these are uh, authorities uh, in our life. So Paul, as he writes this passage, is really speaking in context of, of government, okay? And you have to understand, at the time that Paul wrote this passage, uh, uh, he's, he's in Rome, and Rome is the superpower of the world, and, and they, the climate... 
uh, towards Christianity wasn't too friendly and it was about to get a lot worse, okay? So Paul was teaching these believers how they should relate to their government. But a lot of these uh, principles of authority are applicable to us today. These are universal laws of authority. And so I want to give you a few things that hopefully will be a help to you. How many of you guys are note takers in here? You like to take notes, okay? You got a book, got your book, got your pen. I'm going to give you some notes, all right? Number one, let's read verse number one. I'll read it for you. Verse number one says this in Romans chapter 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. So the first principle of authority is this, that everybody answers to somebody. Everybody answers to somebody. After you've written that down, go ahead and say that with me. Everybody answers to somebody. Ready? Here we go. Everybody answers to somebody. Okay? So you never graduate away from uh, the principle of authority in your life. You never outgrow the principle of authority. Everybody answers to somebody. The Bible says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now listen. Some people and some teenagers do their best to escape the principle of authority while they're in high school. And they reject it, they rebel against it, and they think that when they turn 18, there's this magic number, and I'm going to walk across the platform, I'm going to receive my diploma, and I'm going to be home free. I'll never have to answer to anyone again. I'll never be told what to do. And that's just simply not the case, because everybody answers to somebody. You never escape this principle of authority, because that's the way God intended it to be. You'll have a boss, uh, you'll have those uh, over you for the rest of your life. Uh, if, you're, if you're in church, if you're living for Christ, you'll have a pastor who's an authority in your life. Um, uh, everybody answers to somebody. You don't escape uh, this concept of authority. I read about a guy a few months ago. His name was David uh, Glashing. Uh, how many of you guys have ever seen David Glashing before? He looks like Santa Claus, okay? David Glashing, let me tell you about him real quick. David Glashing used to be a Wall Street investor. And back in the 80s, he made some very bad trades. And in just a matter of a few days, he lost millions and millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, actually, of his own money and, and uh, uh, the money of those he, he was investing. And it, and it really, man, it rocked his world when that happened. And so what he did is he took his remaining little bit of wealth and he, he bought an island. Okay, I think we have a picture of the island. He bought this island for himself because he didn't want to mess with anyone for the rest of his life. He wanted to go and live on this island. And listen, he's been living on this island for 25 plus years, just him and his dog, and he's learned to fish and learned how to survive. How many guys say, I'd like to live on an island somewhere? How many guys say, I'd like to send one of my friends to an island, never see them again like this, okay? So David Glashin, he moves to this island. He's there for like 25 years just to get away from authority. He said, I want to escape it all. I don't want to be told what to do. And so he buys himself an island, and he becomes the king of his own island. Well, guess what happened? About a year ago, they were reviewing some of the documents when he originally purchased the, uh, the island, and there was something incorrect on the paperwork, and it, it avoided the deal, and he got evicted from his island. I thought that's kind of funny. <laughs> Buy an island, you have nothing. And then you get kicked off your very own island. You cannot escape the principle of authority. So everybody answers to somebody. Guys, get used to it. The fact that authority is not going away. And listen, 
you're in this room today and you've got a stressed relationship with authority, whether it's your family, whether it's your youth pastor, whether it's your pastor, or maybe a teacher, those problems don't just go away. Uh, Learn to live and respect authority and appreciate authority. We're going to talk about the benefits of authority in just a minute, but everybody answers to somebody. Second thing you can write down is this. Authority is established and sustained by God. Authority is established and sustained by God. Let's continue reading in verse number one. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. I used to work at a law firm when I was in college, and they would use that term a lot, the powers at be, okay? And whenever they used that term, you know what they were talking about? Whoever happened to be in charge at the time. So God ordains and creates the concept authority, and he sustains authority. Those who are in authority today, whether they be rulers in the world or authority in your life, God allows them to be there, okay? So God ordains and sustains authority. Stop and think of the authority figures in your life. Uh, Whether they be parents or a coach or uh, a Christian teacher or youth pastor, God allowed them to be there. God ordained and sustained authority. Now, this doesn't mean they're perfect. It just means that God allowed them to be there. God put them there. And I don't always understand this at times. I think of uh, Kim Jong-un in uh, Korea. You guys see this guy? Uh, with his pajama suit thing, and uh, you see him on the news every once in a while, he's always like threatening to, to, to blow away America and drop nuclear bombs. And I always think, man, why does God let him still be in charge? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand always how this necessarily works. And the Bible says this, that the king's hand is in the heart of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever, uh, whithersoever he will. And let me tell you this, authority is not perfect. The authority in your life is not perfect. Uh, They'll let you down. They'll have a bad judgment call. But you know what? God put them there, and God allowed them to be there for a reason. And and you have a biblical command to obey and respect that authority, to honor those that are over you, the Bible tells us. The Bible says this, and and if there ever happens to be a conflict where authority is asking you or telling you to do one thing... In complete contradiction to the Bible, Acts 5.29 says we ought to obey God rather than men. Okay? So God established authority and sustains authority. Okay? So you say, man, I got this problem with this just one teacher. You know, he drives me nuts or she drives me nuts. I don't know. If, if God knew, guess what? God does know. God allowed them to be there and maybe he's trying to teach you something through it. So God ordains and sustains authority. Third thing to write down is this. How we respond to authority is a reflection of how we respond to God. How we respond to authority is a reflection of how we respond to God. The Bible says this, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Think about that for a second. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Okay, so to rebel against your parents is not simply just to rebel against your parents, but you are rebelling against the authority that God put in your life, and in essence, you are rebelling against God. 
Okay, this happened to me several times uh, throughout high school where uh, my teacher would come in and say, today we have a substitute teacher. How many guys just love hearing those words? Guess substitute. Yes. Okay. Uh, get away with all sorts of things. But you know what? A lot of times what my, what my teacher would say, he'd say, we have a substitute teacher today. And it's Mrs. So-and-so, our brother so-and-so. He's going to substitute for us. And I, we'd get this little lecture from our teachers. No matter who the teacher was, they'd say, respect them. Uh, if they have any questions, let them know. You know, uh, how we do things in our class, respect them. You know what? If our teacher were to leave and the substitute were to come in, and we were to mistreat the substitute or rebel, disrespect the substitute, you know who we were disrespecting? Not just the substitute teacher, but, but our, our primary teacher who established that authority. So how we respond to authority is a reflection of how we respond to God. Okay, Let me tell you this. If your attitude all the time, every time you're asked to do something, whether it's your parents or youth pastor, no matter who asks you, and your attitude is like, come on, man, why? Explain to me why. There's a very good chance that you have a similar attitude towards the biblical principle that God gives to you. So how we respond to authority is a reflection of how we respond to God. Look it, you cannot be right with God and wrong with the authority that God placed in your life. And you can't pick and choose authority. Some of you guys, your youth pastor, uh, you'll do anything. You'll, you'll, you'll run across the parking lot ten times to go get something for him. And then you treat your parents like trash. You're selective in your appreciation and respect for authority. How you respect, how you respond to authority is a reflection of how you respond to God. Number four, rejecting authority makes us vulnerable and weak. Rejecting authority makes us vulnerable and weak. Let's continue reading. I'll start again in verse number one. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For the power, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Okay? When you resist authority, guess what? You make yourself vulnerable. If there's one thing I can, I, I can get in your minds this morning is that authority is there for your protection. That's why God placed the authority in your life. How many guys love Shark Week? That's like Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, Shark Week in that order. Shark Week. How many guys watch watch Shark Week? How many guys are anyone in here just terrified of sharks? You like you won't swim in the ocean, okay? Okay. I need uh, I need a seventh grader. I need a seventh grader. A small seventh grader. Uh, come on up. Okay. So, I love watching Shark Week. And uh, every once in a while you'll see a guy, he'll get out in the ocean and he'll, he'll swim with the sharks, okay? And his leg gets bitten off, you know, but he's out there swimming with the shark. But the guys that have half a brain, uh, they get in one of these things, a shark cage, okay? There are... I looked up online. There are places in Southern California you can rent a shark cage. You can go, you can swim with the sharks. How many guys say, if I swim with a shark, I'm going to be inside a cage like that, okay? So what we have here, what's your name? Kendrick. Tell me again. Kendrick. Kendrick, how old are you? Seventh grade? Okay. And uh, have you ever swam with sharks before? Okay. 
um, I need you, if you, were to, if you were to be swimming in the ocean and you saw a shark, I need you to make the noise that you would make. Okay, not in a cage. Okay, I need to hear your best shark scream. Ah! <laughs> That's pretty good. How do you guys want to hear that again? That was good. Okay, I think a little louder. Hey, if I were a shark, I'd swim away. Wow. Okay, so, Kendrick. Come on in the shark cage. Now, this isn't really a shark cage. Um, wow, it's like perfect height. That's great. Okay, so, how are you feeling in there? You feel safe from all these people? Okay, no one's going to make fun of you. We'll feed you, all right? Um, okay, so Kendrick's here in the shark cage. Now listen. If I were to swim with sharks, it would be in a cage, something similar to that, except for even beefier, okay? It wouldn't be a cheesy, uh, flimsy aluminum. Um, it would be foolish for Kendrick to decide, hey, I'm in seventh grade. It's perfect size for shark bait. I'm going to go. I know where the sharks swim. I've always wanted to get a picture with the sharks. So I'm going to get my GoPro, my underwater camera, and I'm going to go swim out with the sharks. It would be foolish for him to do that. No. So what he's going to do, he's going to get in this shark cage. Now, this cage, Kendrick, is here for your protection so that you don't get eaten by sharks, right? Okay? Because if you get eaten by a shark, what noise are you going to make? Yeah, that noise. None of us want to hear that noise. So this cage is here for his protection. Let me tell you this. Authority is here for your protection. Now what if Kendrick went out swimming with the sharks and was like, man, that was fun, but I just couldn't get as close as I wanted to get, you know? I, we got that close, but that, was, that, that wasn't close enough. I wanted to get closer. I wanted to pet him. I wanted to be with him. He goes home and like, Mom, why do I have to be in a shark cage when I swim with the sharks? None of my friends have shark cages. I don't want a shark cage. What if Kendrick said, you know what, I want a little better view. So here's what we're going to do. All right, we're going we're gonna to take off one of these bars here so you can get a little better view. All right. So now we got a little gap in here. Do you feel safer, Kendrick? No. You know why? Because removing that bar made you vulnerable. Let me tell you this. God has given you authority in your life as a gift. And each one of these bars represents an authority figure in your life. Whether it's a pastor or a parent, youth pastor, coach, whoever it may be, boss one day. They're there for your protection. Now, some view authority as just restriction. I want to swim with the sharks. I want to go wherever I want to go. I don't want to be within this cage. And some people foolishly live their high school years just like that. Why can't I do this? I want to do this. I want to do this. So you know what they do? They rebel against authority. And when you rebel against authority, you make yourself vulnerable. So let's say Kendrick goes back out again, and he's like, I just want a little better view. So he goes. (laughs) 
And he's made himself that vulnerable again. Rejecting authority makes you vulnerable and weak. Your pastor gets up and preaches on Sunday and and gives a biblical principle. Hey, we, we ought not to do this because the Bible says so. And you decide to live to the contrary. You've rejected authority. You know the application of this study this morning is? What will your response be to authority? There's two responses. The first is rebellion. Rebellion corrodes the bars of protection. Corrodes authority. Uh, Submission is the other response. The other choice. Submission strengthens authority in your life. And some of you, you've lived your junior high and now in your, your senior high years... And and every year, you've gone and you've removed authority in your life. And you know what? Sometimes rebellion looks differently. Uh, There's different types of rebellion. There's some active rebels. Those are really easy to spot. Someone who's just actively against every biblical principle. How are you doing in there? Good. Uh, Actively against every biblical principle. Then there there are the more passive rebels. They're not going to rebel in front of the teacher, but they'll talk bad about them behind their back. Uh, those ones are more difficult to spot. But you know what? The result is still the same. No matter how you rebel, whether it's uh, quietly with your friends or publicly and blatantly, it removes the bars. And you know what you've done? You've made yourself vulnerable. Authority is there for our protection. God established authority to protect you. Thanks, man. You can have a seat. Rejecting authority makes us vulnerable and weak. The Bible says this, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Hey, it'd be retarded to say, I'm going to go swim with sharks. I got two bars. Here we go. I'm safe now. No one will get me. No, it takes an entire cage. It takes, in the same way, a multitude of counselors. That's why you can't pick and choose. I like that authority. Uh, I don't like that authority, but I like this one. You've made yourself vulnerable and weak. Number five. A poor relationship with authority distorts reality. A poor relationship with authority distorts reality. Look at verse number three. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? So think about this. Rulers are not a terror to good works. Some of you have this warped perspective that all authority is out to get you. Uh, And the reality is that The sin that you've become comfortable with makes you uncomfortable with authority figures. Let me say that again. The sin that you've been become comfortable with makes you uncomfortable around authority. Rulers are not a terror to do good works, meaning if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to hide from authority. There was a few years ago, my wife and I were driving home uh, on our lunch break and on our way home. We got in a car accident. It was a bummer. And uh, we pulled over to the side, and everyone was fine. We were okay. Uh, the car was totaled, so we were taking some of our belongings out of our trunk. My, my mom was there. Uh, we called her, and we were putting, putting all of our belongings from my trunk into her trunk because the tow truck was going to take the car. Well, right at about that time, a police officer pulled up. And uh, I thought, oh, here he is. He's going to fill out a traffic report. 
uh, I have nothing to hide from a police officer. So when I see a police officer, I don't usually run, you know. So he came up to me, and uh, he wasn't very kind. He, uh, I thought he would be more consoling. I just told him my car, um, and it was just, man, it was a rough day for us. And he came to me. He says, let me talk to you over here. So he called me over there, and he goes, is there something about this accident you're not telling us about? And he, I could tell he was serious. And I'm like, uh, I was speeding? I don't know, you know, I don't know what I did wrong, but I'm like, whatever I did wrong, just tell me and I'll admit to it, you know? I had, I had a clear conscience with that authority. I wasn't afraid of that authority figure in my life. And he says, uh, I want you to come over here with me. So he brought me by his cars, put handcuffs on me, put me in the back of his car. I must admit, that's when I started to get a little scared. Not that I knew I didn't do anything wrong because I didn't do anything wrong, I just didn't know how long it would take them to figure out, okay? I didn't know if this would be like a Dateline special 50 years from now, you know? <laughs> Pastor's kid, wrongfully accused, you know? Sentenced to death, narrowly escapes. So I, was, I must admit, I was like, what is going on here? Well, I guess what happened is there was a hit and run at the Walmart parking lot. The vehicle description matched our same vehicle, same car, same color, same last three digits on the license plate. So they thought that we hit an old lady in the Walmart parking lot and ran. I promise you I didn't. <laughs> and so I was in the car for a while until they looked at the footage on the security camera and they saw that it in fact wasn't us and they finally let us go. But you know, during that time, I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, there's nothing to fear from authority when you're living right and when you're living correct with God. So a poor relationship authority distorts reality. If you have a relationship with authority that's stressed, um, whether it's maybe a poor relationship with your parents uh, or a teacher, work on that relationship. Because a relationship, a strained relationship, a poor relationship with authority distorts reality. You begin to think that all authority is bad and all authority is out to get you. Number six, write this down. A healthy relationship with authority, creates opportunities and brings joy. A healthy relationship with authority creates opportunities and brings joy. The Bible says this, Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Let me tell you this. There is a big responsibility that comes with being an authority figure. A lot of people, they just want to be in charge. I want to be the one in charge. I'd rather be telling someone what to do rather than to be told what to do. And the fact is that biblically, those who are in authority over, over you have a big biblical responsibility. They have a responsibility to watch for your souls, uh, to, to care for you. They will answer for that authority. But your response is simply to obey them. And guess what? The Bible says uh, that they may do it with joy. When you submit to authority, and authority is right with God and right with you, guess what? Everybody's happy. Your teachers are happy, your parents are happy, and you're happy. Because submission to authority, living not in rebellion to authority and rebellion to God, but submitting to God, submitting to authority, brings joy in your life and creates opportunities. I remember my first year of student ministry, Brother Schmidt asked me to take someone to lunch. I took this guy to lunch. I'm telling you, 
I don't call many people punks, but this guy was kind of a punk, okay? He was not, I'm taking him lunch, I'm paying for lunch, I'm trying to be kind for him, and, and he, on a one-on-one situation, is being just as disrespectful as you could believe. A lot of people, maybe in a group setting, they'll cut up, they'll be disrespectful, you pull them aside, you talk to them one-on-one, they're fine. I'm taking this guy to lunch, one-on-one, and he's, he's so disrespectful. I, I couldn't believe it. He graduated, and he left church, and I remember uh, a few years later, I got a a job reference form. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> You're going to give me a reference form. I remember I filled it out, and I filled it out honestly, and uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't get the job. Uh, when, you, when you have a bad relationship authority, uh, when you have a good relationship, you experience blessings. Let me tell you that. Number seven, and this is, this is the last one here. The greatest motivation... The greatest motivation for your obedience should not be the approval of authority or avoidance of trouble, but rather your love for God. I know that's a longer one. I'll give you a second longer to write that down. The greatest motivation for your obedience, think about it, should not be the approval of authority. And let me tell you this. Fear of getting caught is a terrible motivation for obedience. There's a much better way to live. But your greatest motivation for your obedience should be not, not just the approval of authority. Okay, Some of you guys just like to get your, your, your back patted by authority. You like to be told, good job, you know, congratulations, here's a cookie for you. You obeyed, awesome, you're the best. Some of you like that. Your motivation should not be that. Nor should it be just the avoidance of trouble. Okay, Some of you are smart enough to say, well, I don't... I don't really appreciate the authority in my life, but I know things work a whole lot better when I just listen to them, so I want to avoid trouble. Let me tell you, there's a better way to live than that. There's a better way to live than just to simply avoid trouble or just to get the approval of man, and that is your love for God should be your greatest motivating factor. Meaning, I love God, and because God gave me this authority that is here not for my restriction, but for my protection I will embrace this authority. And I love this authority because I love God. And they're not perfect, and I'm not perfect, but God is perfect and saw fit to allow them to be in my life, and I'm going to love every single minute. Your love for God should be your greatest motivation. The Bible says this, Wherefore, verse number 5, Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also conscience sake. I said this a minute ago, fear is the worst motivation for obedience. Many do right for the fear of punishment. There, there is a higher motivation. There, there is a better way to live than thinking, man, did, did they know? Did they know what I said? Let me tell you, it's a telltale sign to your youth pastor when they walk up to you on Sunday and the conversation stops and everyone like turns white as a ghost. When you fear authority, let me tell you, there's a better way to live. Not having to put your head on the pillow at night and wondering, does... does does this person know this or does that person know that? I shouldn't have talked that way to my mom. I should have respected my dad. I would have been more grateful for this authority. There's a better way to live. The Bible says this, And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. I read the other day, there's a, the IRS set up what they call a conscience fund. A conscience fund. This was instituted in 1811 when James... Uh, Madison was, was head of the administration. He received $5 from somebody who had defrauded the government. 
and they didn't know where to put the money, so they started a conscience fund. And the IRS still maintains, the Treasury still maintains a conscience fund. And, and what it is, it's an anonymous fund that someone that stole from the government, lied on their taxes, can, can pay money into this fund. Since the day that James Madison established that fund in 1881, over $6.5 million have been anonymously given to that fund because people couldn't sleep at night. They knew that they weren't right with God's authority in their government. They knew they weren't right. And they said, I'm going I'm to pay towards this. Listen, there's no softer pillow than a clean conscience. There's a better way to live. Live, not so. Live in, in utmost respect for authority. Not because they're always perfect, but you know that God put them there. And I promise you, God will bless you for that. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.